Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Cumming, Georgia, it's time for Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0. Now, here's your host, Gary Zermelin. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0 radio show. Um, on this show, we talk with high-performing business professionals to sharpen our skills, learn new ideas and concepts, share best practices, and get to know really smart people. Uh, so listen carefully, uh, take notes, and look for their contact information at the end so that you can engage with them. And as always, uh, we will conclude with a sales tip from me um, at the very, very end. Um, I'm really excited about the guests that we have here today. I mean, we're going to get some great tips. Uh, we're going to get some great advice uh, from the business world to the personal world. So uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, listeners, you're going to really enjoy it. Um, we're going to have two uh, speakers uh, today or, or guests. The first one will be uh, Pamela uh, Doritas, and, and she's with Connect and Captivate. And I think she is going to captivate us today. And she has an interesting background. She, she's an entrepreneur, but she came from the, the acting world. And she's made this transition uh, with that into the business world, which is really interesting. And we'll get to learn a little bit about that later on. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And we also have Dan here with Mitrovich. And, and Dan, also known as the insurance man, Dan, the insurance man. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but it, it, this, I've known him for a number of years, and people kept saying that he's worked with, gosh, he saved me $500, he saved me $1,000, and I kept hearing that, and so I got to know him a little bit better. He's, he's definitely a subject matter expert, and he does save people a lot of money, so that's someone like, I like to have on the show. So it's going to be a great show having both of you uh, here today. So great to have you. So, Pamela, let, let's kind of start off with you first uh, for today. So, again, you know, you're, you're, you're an actress. You've been in this for uh, acting for over a decade, uh, onset training, uh, improv. Uh, you've done all of that. You've had 30 stage and, and film productions uh, that you've been in. So you've definitely had a lot of experience in all that. And then you've kind of taken that. And if you transition those abilities and skills into the business world, helping people uh, or business owners and leaders and, and people in the business world with emotional intelligence, uh, with executive presence, um, and even helping them with their marketing message. So that's just really interesting to me. But before we go too much into that, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, how did you get into the acting world and how did you make this transition? Yeah. Thank you, Gary, for having me on the show, first of all. I uh, love being here, and I know you from other avenues. We're in um, some networking groups together, so when you asked me to come on the show, I was like, absolutely. Um, as far as my acting background, I moved to Atlanta in 2008, and they were shooting Zombieland here. Oh, yeah. And I just kept hearing about Zombieland and, and all the productions that were going on downtown in different parts of the state. And I'm like, I want in on that action. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually became an extra in Zombieland. So if you look really closely, you can see me running down the street, screaming, <laughs> running away from zombies. Um, and it just, I got the acting bug. Like I was bitten by the acting bug from that experience and decided to actually get into acting, take acting classes, start auditioning, get an agent. And I did all that. Um, and what I ended up doing was I took a program. It's called Meisner Technique. Uh, I can go into detail about that if you'd like. Basically, it's an acting technique based in emotional intelligence, based in creating these very strong connections with people who may be strangers to you because you might see them for the first time on set when you're shooting, 
but you have to act as if they are your spouse or mm. your friend or your teacher, all that kind of thing. So it's a technique to create these really authentic relationships very quickly. Mm. And it's all based in authenticity, truth. And I thought the more I went through this program, the more I realized that business people, just people in general, can benefit from this because it has so many implications outside of just the acting world. So that's how I kind of got into acting and made my segue into business with that skill. Wow. So tell us a little bit about that. So you saw where there's this opportunity for your for these skills that you have. So where would that be taking place? How does that take place? How, um, uh, can you clarify a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so if, let's say you're going into a business and you have these abilities, you know, maybe it's the CEO or, yes. or maybe it's someone like that. I mean, obviously he's not going to be going on onto a set or anything like right, that, but right. so how does he benefit from your skills and abilities? Okay, got it. Um, well, there's, so there's two core offerings that I have in my business. One is, as you mentioned, the emotional intelligence training. And the other is on-camera training. Mm -hmm. So the on-camera training is a little more straightforward if you're making marketing videos or any kind of video content and you have to appear on camera and you're not exactly confident in your abilities on camera, I I do that coaching. And I base it all on my acting technique. Um, So that's kind of straightforward. The other one, though, is a little bit more... um, I do have to make that connection explicit because people aren't used to this training. So with the emotional intelligence training, uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier. It helps you build those connections with people that you may not know. So for example, if I'm going to a networking event or if I'm speaking in public, if I'm the CEO of a company or top salesperson or something like that, and I'm giving a talk and I want my audience to listen to me, to trust me, all those kinds of things, this training can help greatly with that because like I said earlier, emotional intelligence, um, especially this training, it impacts how we relate to people. And that's kind of the fundamental of business, right? You, we want to do business with, with people that we know, like, and trust. And this helps greatly with that because you're forging those connections in real time. So I'm guessing you're helping with the uh, nonverbal. You're helping yes, with the it's tone. All nonverbal. You're, exactly. you're helping yeah. all of those yes. aspects of communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, to clarify, I don't teach things like um, that you would get at uh, Toastmasters. In fact, <laughs> you can tell because I'm saying a lot of us right now. <laughs> I, I don't do that kind of speaking training. It's more, how do you connect with your audience? What is your message? What is important to, to you that you want to convey to them? How do you connect with what's important to your audience? Mm. The, those kind of more esoteric, um, less easily grasped skills. So I can probably should go to a Toastmasters to kind of smooth out how I'm speaking. But I'm I really dig into the stuff underneath and help people with that um, with that connection piece, because a lot of us, you know, we want to be successful in business, but we are either afraid or otherwise kind of challenged in our ability to have a real human connection with other people, especially these days. And I really want to help people with that and show them that it's not so scary. You know, you can do this even though you're not used to it. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating too to, because more and more people are using videos mm-hmm. and, and they want the president, the front facing of the company to be on those. That's right. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to be good at doing that. Right. So would that be an example of someone that you could help? They're going oh, to do absolutely. a mark? Okay. Yep. I do. I, I can help the president. I've worked with, um, I've worked with salespeople. 
I have worked with business owners. Uh, in fact, the latest client that I just signed is a business owner. I've worked with doctors. You know, doctors are notoriously mm. intelligent, knowledgeable, all that stuff, but they're not always approachable. So I've worked with doctors to help them be more approachable to their patients and also on video. It can apply to anybody, but if you're in a uh, public-facing role, this is really for you. Yeah. So what makes you different than maybe a director? Because there's people who direct these videos and and Mm -hmm. all of that. Why would I want you versus maybe them? What I teach, so a director is going to, a director in the entertainment industry is a little bit different from what a director will do on a set where you're shooting a, um, marketing video, for instance. Um, But in both cases, a director is going to really oversee a lot more of the production. They're going to um, make decisions that I can be involved in, but my goal is to really help the person on camera. Mm. That's, That's my one single focus, is to help that person that is on camera with their delivery, with their performance, with bringing out whatever that special sauce is inside of them that allows them to connect with other people and get their message out. So I'm not going to be, um, you know, like helping with the lighting. I'm not going to be Mm -hmm. directing wardrobe, stuff like that, that a director might oversee. I'm really going to be focused on the talent and helping them shine on camera. Wow. So I'm kind of curious, I mean, how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you have a Mm -hmm. story that you could share with us where you've done this for somebody? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Actually, so a recent client is, like I said, a business owner. He has a video production company and he is, he, in his own words, is on track to kind of do a complete overhaul. He just wants to improve his presence in so many areas, but specifically on camera. And I have worked with him to doing anything from enunciation exercises, because that's a, that's an important piece. And that is a more technical skill that doesn't really have to do with EQ, but we work on enunciation together. We've worked on projecting his voice. We have also worked, like you said earlier on his messaging. Mm -hmm. What does he want to say? How is he going to say it? And we actually go through the scripts that he brings in his marketing scripts. And I break it down just like it is a script for a movie because that's what brings out the important points. We, we divide it into beats. We talk about what messaging and what's going on in each beat and how that can impact the audience, where the transitions are, all that stuff. Um, we've recently also started to look at his wardrobe. So I, I can do, like I said, I can do some of that. But the important thing that we've started recently is actually I've started to take him through some improv exercises. And you saw one of them that I did at another event recently. It's called the character building exercise where I have a person, uh, if they're going for something like he is where he wants to be, um, he wants to instill more confidence. He wants to be more commanding. We created a character for him to start playing with in these improv exercises. And I asked him after we were done with our last session, I said, you know, is this working for you? Give me some feedback so I can keep going in the direction that works for you. And he just said, you know, this is just opening my eyes to all kinds of things that I wasn't even aware of in myself, in how I present to the world. You're really just opening my mind and my heart. And it's unlike anything I've ever done before because I've, I haven't done improv before. I haven't tried to build a character before. And most people haven't right. experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I don't have to be always Gary's or Milan. I could kind of project myself as like Richard Branson yeah. or, or something like that. <laughs> well, or, yeah, one of my clients, I actually, he wanted to be more like um, James Bond. So we played around with a James Bond type of character, his version of James Bond. So it's not that I'm overhauling people into something they are not. What I'm doing is I'm helping them bring out that James Bond aspect that they have inside somewhere or that, you know, CEO commanding um, almost like a, I don't know, I'm a Star Trek fan. Captain Picard comes to mind, (laughs) you know, that, that very confident commanding character. I help them find those pieces of themselves inside of themselves and bring that out. Okay. I got Mm -hmm. you on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all based in authenticity. I'm not trying to make you into something you're not. I'm trying to help you find, you know, if you and I were working together. It's in you, but you're you're pulling it out. That's right. We all have aspects of our personality that we don't always use, or maybe we hide a little bit out of whatever, you know, social mores there are. But on camera, we can play with these things because we're not going to be doing all of these things on camera when it comes to shooting our marketing videos. But as a foundational exercise, this really helps get you out of your head and open the possibilities to other ways that you can deliver your message. Yeah, I like that. You know, of course, a lot of presidents and owners of companies periodically have to give a speech before yeah. the whole company. That's right. That's right. And and they yeah. just have to, you know, they're kind of praying when they go up that yeah. this is all going to work. <laughs> uh, and, and we've seen it where it doesn't, or they tell that joke mm-hmm. that they shouldn't, and it falls flat, you yeah. know, all that yeah. stuff. So that yeah. wouldn't necessarily have to happen. Um, they could call you and then they could practice that That's with right. you and you can kind of say, Hey, yeah, I would leave that joke off. Right. Yeah. Then go over or, you know, I would make sure, you know, you're dressed this way mm-hmm. or let's emphasize this mm-hmm. here a little bit more, or maybe right. this here we, we talk a little bit faster, but here I would slow down. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you could help with all of that type of thing. Oh yeah. In fact, silence can be very powerful in a video. You don't want it to be too long because then you start losing your audience after, I don't know, I don't know what the figure is, but I'm sure after so many seconds. But um, one thing I really enjoyed seeing in the client that I just spoke about was that um, we, we got him to a point where he would just take these natural breaks and I wouldn't even have to tell him to do that. We started out where it was just kind of a more of a, you get on the train and you don't stop talking, right? Um, but I after so many sessions, he started to find these natural points where he could just take a beat and then keep going. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is beautiful. I love it. You're really getting into this now. You're seeing where the message can land and you can let that message be for a second and then keep moving on. Yeah. That a cadence, Mm -hmm. that a cadence. And uh, like you said, when to speed up, slow down. That's right. Raise our volume, lower the volume, whisper. You know, how are we supposed to do that on our own? I mean, almost impossible. Yeah. So you're someone that can come in there and, right. and notice these things, and then you could practice those things. So that way, when they go up there, I mean, they're going to be a rock star. That's the goal. You know, I, I mean, I can run on myself. <laughs> I love to talk. I love to talk about this stuff. Um, but when I watch my videos, if I'm not happy with something, I'll redo it because it's, you know, you're putting it down on video, it's going to go out to the rest of the world. I don't want to be just in one long run on sentence when I'm on video, I want to find those places where I can really let my audience marinate on the message that I just gave them, whatever that message is. Yeah. Of course, I come from the sales world. And that's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of salespeople face is they don't have the confidence and it Mm -hmm. it comes out. We're not confident. It's going to be very, even if you're saying the right things, it's very difficult or they don't have the conviction. Right. Um, So that, that too could be something that you could help with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
absolutely. Give them some of those skills and abilities and all that to do. That's just yeah. fantastic. <laughs> um, it, it's been great having you on the show today. And I'm sure there's someone out there that's going to say, you know, I need this person. Like, Call me. Big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how would they, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? I, I LinkedIn is a great way. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Pamela DeRitis. Um, I think my LinkedIn handle is P-D-E-R-I-T-I-S, just first initial last name. Um, you can go to connectandcaptivate.com. Okay. Or you can email me at hello at connectandcaptivate.com. Fantastic. It's been great having you on the show today. Thank I can't you, wait Gary. to hear about more of your stories Thank as you're you. helping these uh, leaders look really professional. Yes. Even though they may not be. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Shh. We, they, no one has to know, right? That's, <laughs> That's why they're right. going to come to you. Absolutely. So, it's great having you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so now we're going to have Dan on our Dan the insurance man Dan Mitrovich so it's, it's it's great to have you on here with us and and folks he's is insurance but he's an insurance broker and he'll talk a little bit more about that there's a big difference between someone that just sells insurance for a company uh, versus being a broker and as I mentioned before you know he's a subject matter expert uh, I was talking earlier today I think we can make this show five hours and we'd have great content for five hours we can't do that but that it this is going to be awesome so before we jump into that though tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this world. Yep, definitely, Gary. Uh, I'm a little nervous now going after a uh, after all the speaking stuff, so I'm being judged here. No, you're not at all. <laughs> but I'm. Uh, my name is Dan Mitrovich. I am a insurance broker, um, home and auto insurance for Integrated Insurance Solutions. Um, I actually grew up in Johns Creek, um, raised here my entire life, and just recently moved to over to Sugar Hill with my beautiful wife, Ashley, and we are growing a family there. Oh, that's fantastic. That's very good. So, so how did you get into insurance? I mean, is that something you always wanted to do? You know, from from day one, right out of the womb, I was ready to sell insurance. No, <laughs> okay, so, I'm not going to believe that for a second. Um, so I was I was in um, uh, college up at University of North Georgia in Dahlonega, um, and I was taking management classes, and I knew I wanted to get something into sales. And at the time, I was working at a pizza place down mm-hmm. in Alpharetta. So as I was sitting there working, um, trying to pay for college, all these things, there was a regular that came in. I would constantly serve him and talk to him while I was was there. Um, One of the days, he just says, hey, do you know what? I like you. I like your work ethic. Let's go ahead and and start something. Ever thought about being an insurance broker? You want to sell insurance? Sure. Why not? What what, what do I have to lose? So uh, I went and uh, started doing my training, got my license, um, graduated college on a Friday, started work on a Monday. Wow, that's fantastic. I think that's, a, I love that story. You know, I think that's a good lesson for all of us is that sometimes your next best employee uh, could be the guy right there in the pizza place or, or right next door. Or and if this guy was, had enough thought to consider you, offer it to you. And of course he was right. I mean, you, you're, you're fantastic at what you do and you've done really well with it. Uh, I just, I just love that story uh, to kind of get you into it. So tell us a little bit about what, what's the big difference between just someone selling insurance from a company versus going to you being a broker? Yeah, definitely. So, so in our industry, we have something called captive and we have something called uh, independent. So I'm an independent, which would be a broker, okay. right? So I'm not tied to a certain carrier or a certain company. So I have about 15 different companies I can shop through. Um, that's just a standard market. Um, but what that means is I'm not working for this company. I'm working for my client, right? So if you have a captive, so if that, that company can only sell one product, mm-hmm. if their rates go up, they're locked in. If they have underwriting guidelines, they're locked in. That 
uh, agent might have a quota to make. They might have to say, oh, I have to sell home and auto insurance, or maybe I have a life insurance I have to send to somebody else afterwards. I may have to do something else. I don't have to do any of that. The only thing I have to do is make sure everything is set up correctly for my clients. So I only work for them and make sure they are getting exactly what they need. So it's possible you may start off with one type of home insurance for me, and you may at some point call me and say, you know, I'm recommending this one now. Definitely. Um, there's a couple couple reasons I would do that. Number one could be cost. Yeah. Number two, because there's situations change, right? Mm-hmm. Life changes. Maybe you have uh, your 16-year-old finally gets her license and can drive. Well, the company you're with may not like to insure those kind of people, right? Young mm-hmm. drivers. So that's going to cost you more. So it's not necessarily always a cost change. It could be that this mm-hmm. company is a better fit for you. Or maybe you're buying a million-dollar house and that company you're with doesn't sell, you know, insure million-dollar houses. You are now with a special company. Okay. I get, you know, situations change. And so our insurance needs to change with that. I've often been told too, it's never bad to be shopping around because they'll have a tendency to just keep increasing the rates. And next thing you know it, you're spending a lot more than you should be. Um, is, is that true or is that it's, it's, it, it, it is partially true, right? It wouldn't be they're just raising rates just to raise rates, right? Mm-hmm. They're a business. They have to make money also, right? Mm-hmm. So recently I've seen rates jump through the roof. Number one, on homes because of home values have gone through the roof. Rebuild costs have gone through the roof. It costs more to rebuild your house now than did two years ago. Sure. Same with auto. Um, auto or cars are costing a lot more. So if you total out a car, a $10,000 car, Two years ago, maybe worth fifteen thousand dollars today. You know, it's it's a it's a crazy market, um, um, but that's one of the things I do for my clients. Also, is I do have these different resources, so I go and shop it for them every year. And if something comes up, I say, hey, do you know what? I found a better rate for you. So they don't even have to do it. That's something we take care of. Yeah, I just love that because, I mean, that hits me every once in a while. I'll tell them, uh-oh, we better be looking around again. You know, and I hate doing it and don't want to do it. Don't know where to even begin. But if I'm working with someone like you, it's like, eh, Dan's got it. Yep. Exactly. Um, and, and like I said, it's not always cost basis. I, I'll come to my clients with an option and say, hey, he, this one is cheaper, but I think you need to stick with this one because I know your 15-year-old is about to get their license when they turn 16, and this may not be a good switch six months down the road, a year down the road. Maybe it's better to stay with this company if they're a little bit more. Um, but I like to, my job is not to say sell insurance. My job is to inform the client, give them as much information as possible so they can make a decision. Wow. So you've worked with a lot of people, and, and I know this is going to be kind of a, a general number here, but on, on the average, if someone comes over to you, how much money are you saving them? You, you know, it, it depends. I've, I've had people that have switched over and I've saved, you know, $10. I've had people switch over and save two, three thousand $3,000 oh, really? a year. You know, it, it, it just depends. Um, I've had people that have come over and they save more money you know, and, and, or sorry, save less money. They're actually paying more to switch over to me. And some of the reason is because maybe they want to get a, they haven't talked to their agent in five years. They can't get a hold of them. Every single one of my clients has my personal cell phone number. If they need me, they can get in touch with me. They can email me. Right. Um, and maybe it could have to do with, Oh, I have, um, had a really bad experience with my company. I don't care how much it costs. I am not going to give them another dime. Gotcha. Yeah. I know the Christmas holidays are coming up and periodically people get DUIs and things like that. And it's not uncommon, I'm sure, for their insurance company to drop them after that. Uh, are they SOL or could they call you or is that someone you could even work with? Definitely call me. So that's one of the ways I got my start. Um, you know, I first started off with zero clients. So I went around to other agents that 
if they say someone did get a DUI or something like that, they would be canceled within 30 days. Mm. Well, instead of coming to them as a competitor, I came to them as a resource and say, instead of telling your clients, hey, you're done, you need to leave, say, hey, I'm sorry, our company is canceling you, call Dan. Um, so that is something I can do. And I can even shop it with several companies. So I'm not even stuck with one product when it comes to that. Wow. Um, and so you do home insurance and stuff like that as well. I mean, what, what are some, you know, blind corners? There's some things that I should be aware of when I'm getting home insurance. You know, some things I may not be thinking about, but should be. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to home insurance, you have to think about it this way. For most people, that is their largest asset, mm. right? So yeah, when it comes to insurance, you want to make sure you're insuring it properly. So some of the red flags I always tell people, number one is replacement costs. So make sure that is in there or extended replacement costs. You don't want your house to burn down and say it's a half million dollar house, but you are only insured for 400,000. You know, you want to make sure you have that. And the other thing is your deductible. So a lot of uh, companies may have a percentage deductible, right? So say it's 1% of your house, half million dollar house, 1%, right? What's well, a $5,000 deductible? Well, every year is the increase your uh, coverage because costs go up, they will increase the coverage on your house, your deductible goes up. Mm -hmm. So next thing you know, just like the last two years, we've seen house prices jump up, rebuild costs jump up. Maybe that half million dollar house is now $750,000. Great. Well, that also means you have a $7,500 deductible. Mm. So if you ever see a percentage deductible, they're very, very cheap. It may look you know, enticing. Looks good. Yeah, at yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that lower cost, a lot of people want to jump on that. But make sure you look what's in there because it will go up. Um, I always usually max out my clients around $2,500 deductible, sometimes $5,000 if it's, it's a special circumstance. But I would definitely take a look at that. That's a big red flag because you don't want to go switch something solely based on price. Yeah. I mean, it can be that way with cars too, where they say, Hey, it's, it's a $2,000 deductible. Um, it, I, I don't get in a lot of accidents. That's going to make it cheaper. Let's go with that. It, would, would you recommend that? Or what do you think? Um, well, once again, it, it depends. It depends on the, the carrier. Um, when it comes to insurance, like I said earlier, it's about finding the right fit, right? So somebody with a Ferrari mm. doesn't need to be going to the same company that somebody that has a 1990 Toyota Corolla, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it all comes down to that. Um, and you know, once again, it, it's all what's in your policy. So finding a broker, finding a professional that can walk you through it and know, here's what it would be if you say had a lower deductible, here's what it would be if you had a higher, here's the pros and cons of both. Cause there are pros and cons to every, you know, all these. So it's about making sure the client has as much information as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think you were telling me a story not that long ago about someone who went with that type of, you know, deductible 2000, whatever it was. And, and, uh, he didn't get an accident, but someone ran, but he ran into a deer. It was a, it was a different problem. Yep. Uh, correct. So same thing. I'm a great driver. I don't need, I don't need yeah. this low deductible. I need a highest, I want to pay as cheap as possible. Um, and it was a, saved him about 20 bucks a month. And about a year later, right, still a great driver, but a deer ran out of the woods, right, ran on the side of his car, not even his fault, right? Well, now he goes to get his car fixed. Oh, it's a $2,000 deductible. Well, that just cost him $1,500 out of his pocket. If, if otherwise, he would have had a $500 deductible. Um, that decision cost him that money. You know, everybody doesn't want to pay for insurance until something happens. happens. Right. What I like about this, though, is that, you're there to walk them through all the eventualities. You know, this is what could happen. And are you going to be okay with that if that happens? I may, may be or I may not be. But not having you, we're not going to be able to think of all those. You know, the deer or being hit you know, by a branch from a tree landing on top of the car or whatever else. And you're going to be able to kind of walk them through and say, hey, this is all the scenarios that could happen um, with what you got. Are you okay with that? Or I may say, no, I'm not, in which case you give me a policy that's more fitting to what I need. Yeah, correct. 
Now, I'm sure you got stories. I mean, you've got to have some stories. You know, some people who did have insurance or didn't have insurance. Um, tell us one of your best. Yeah, I have, I have, I have a lot of stories. Um, here's one I, I, I tell a lot because it's, it ends in a win, and I, and I love that. I love when it ends well for people. Um, this was a friend of mine who became a client, you know, um, just looking over his policies, and he had a boat. It was a 2002 wake boat. Um, so he didn't pay much for it, but then the boat was then redone. So we're talking new engine, interior, paint, tower, electronics, right? Well, that now 2002 boat, which would have been ten grand, we will say, we'll just pick a number out of the air, is now worth $45,000, $50,000. So I was looking through it, and I said, hey, your policy only has it insured to this value. You know, which was the ten grand. I'm like, let's let's take a look at this. So it did cost him a little bit more, but then he had a, an agreed value that if that boat sank, he would get fifty thousand dollars because otherwise he couldn't go replace that boat. He had a lot of money in the boat, right? Fast forward one year later, cruising down Lake Lanier and hits a sunken log, Uh-oh. throws the prop under the bottom, starts to sink. Um, luckily, it didn't sink, but um, it caused a lot of damage, right? But luckily, he was set up with the correct insurance, right? And otherwise, the other company would have totaled the boat out, would have gotten a $10,000 check. Instead, this thing was in the shop for almost six months doing fiberglass repair, you know, uh, different different parts, stuff had to be ordered. And by springtime, he was back on the water, right? And even then, he said, this, this one part feels a little stiff. Uh, I, I don't know if it was repaired correctly. Brought it back. Insurance company then said, oh, you're right. It wasn't done right. Paid for the part. And he was back on the water. I think that's great. You know, I- we were talking a little bit earlier too, is, is sometimes, you know, if the car is totaled out and they give you a lump sum, you know, I figure, well, that's, that's what I get, you know, whatever it is. Um, I would just accept it. Should I be doing that? No, you, d- you definitely want to try to fight for some more money. Cause what's the worst thing they're going to do? They're going to say, no, you're going to take the original check. Sure. Um, right now, especially I'm telling all my clients because the used car market has jumped so high. It it's has. Just, it's, it's, it's out of control. So, I tell people go on Auto Trader, go on some of these uh, resources, and find three examples of your car, and then send it back to your insurance companies. So say they're going to give you ten thousand, and you find three examples for eighteen thousand. Find those three examples, send it back to them, and they may come back and say, "Oh yeah, you're right. We're going to give you fifteen or seventeen. Who knows? They might give you eighteen. See, I didn't even know that that could be done. See, that's what I like about having someone like you in my corner is that you'd walk me through these things. Oh, by the way, you're gonna get, if you don't like the check, Gary, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> And, and we're going to make sure that I'm making the right decisions because after you accept the check, that's it. Yep, correct. It's once, like a contract. Yes, once, once, you, once you deposit the check, that's it. Yep, so I think that's another thing that's just awesome and all of that. Um, one other thing I was just kind of thinking about is, is there's a lot of electric vehicles out there now. I'm seeing more and more of them. And yes. I was just kind of curious from the car insurance world, tell me, is it, is it the same? Is it different? What do we need to be aware of in that so when it comes to, to policy-wise, right, uh, whatever is stated on the policy is still going to be applied to electric vehicles. But that also comes back to finding the right fit, right? Some of these cut-rate carriers, they like to use their own repair shops, or maybe they like to use some repair shops that are within their network. Well, maybe those repair shops don't work on electric vehicles. Or if they do, they do the you know wheels, tires, brakes, things that are associated with a regular car. Maybe they won't touch the battery. Maybe they won't touch some of these other things. Um, for instance, a lot of Teslas have to be repaired by Tesla or a Tesla-certified repair shop, which are few and far between right now, right? Um, so you have to make sure that your insurance company is going to pay that. Because what happens is maybe a ins- uh, company comes out and goes to repair it, and then their bill is twice as amount what the insurance company says. Well, then there's going to be a conflict. Mm. Not necessarily that's not going to get resolved. It's just going to take longer. Mm. 
Yeah, and those batteries are not cheap. No. <laughs> They're a lot of money <laughs> for, for all of those. Um, yeah, I, I just think this is really fascinating thing. I mean, I guess the last question I have for you, especially about home ownership, is you, you got a policy, but when do we know if it's covering everything? I mean, it, I mean, there's flood insurance now, and then there's hurricane insurance out there. Um, there's water backup insurance. I mean, I, I, I sometimes hope that's all being included, but I don't know if it is. Um, what are some things that we need to be aware of in that world? Yeah, definitely. So so one of the things that, that's kind of alarming to me is people do this uh, direct-to-consumer stuff where they just go fill it out and then all of a sudden they have it. Yeah. They don't necessarily know what everything means. That's, I always say talk to a professional, right, because they know what you need. They can go through you know plans A, B, and C. If cost is an issue, okay, where do you cut corners if you have to, right? So maybe insurance is way too expensive and you need to cut costs. Where are you going to cut those costs, right? And as you said earlier, a lot many agents on there have seen – these issues. They've dealt with these issues, right? There's something we said for experience with that. What have you seen? You know, um, and especially when it comes to home, it, it, like I said earlier, that's your largest asset. You really don't want to be messing around with ensuring your largest asset. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. You know, Dan, this has been awesome. I mean, I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot as well. And I'm sure they're all kind of going, yeah, I, I, better get a hold of this guy because I like, he's definitely an expert in it. So if they want to get a hold of you, how should they go about doing that? Yeah. Best way is call me directly. Um, my office line is 770-203-0396 or uh, shoot me an email. That's first initial last name. So it's D-M-I-T-R-O-V-I-C-H at I-I-S hyphen G-A dot com. Yeah. One of those people we want to put on speed dial folks. <laughs> it's great having you on the show. And now we're going to go on to the, the last segment of our show today, uh, where we're going to have uh, sales tip one, two, three with Gary Z. So that, and this is where we're going to have a, take a, just a moment or two, uh, where we have one of our radio listeners write in a sales question uh, or a challenge they're facing. And I give them some tips and how to overcome that challenge. Uh, and this one was from Gregory and he had a good one. Uh, sometimes when I'm giving my features and benefits in my first meeting, my prospect interrupts me or starts asking all kinds of questions and, and it, it just throws me off. What should I do? Well, Gregory, I'm actually going to give you some different advice. And that is this is on that first meeting, especially in the beginning, uh, we don't want to be doing the features and benefits. Uh, I know that's what I was trained to do before Sandler. And that was just, you know, my job was there is to educate them. So as soon as I get in there, I would start educating them. And, and that's not what we want to be doing, Gregory, in the beginning. That's probably why he's interrupting you, because you're talking about things he may not even be interested in. So what we really want to do is qualify them in the beginning, Gregory. So we really want to find out you know, if, if they have any pains. You know, it, are they bad enough that they're going to be willing and able to take an action on those? Uh, we're also going to spend some time to make sure they got a budget, that they can work with your service or product that you have. They, they may not. Um, or we may want to spend some time on the decision-making process. Are, are we speaking to all the decision-makers here? What is that process? Do we fit in that process? So long story short here, there's, there's a lot of gates that we have to get through before we go in there on the features and benefits. And if, by the way, if they don't pass through all of those gates, we don't need to be spending time on those features and benefits. We really don't. Um, we're not, you've got to realize we're not a resource for everybody. So that's just the way of doing it. And Gregory, I think you know, if you do that going forward, you're not going to be interrupted so much because um, they're going to be doing the talking and not you. 
And that's what we want to be happening anyway. Gregory, thank you for writing that in. And, and that is our sales tip uh, for today. So thank you for tuning in to Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0. I'm your host, Gary Zermelin, and until next time, uh, good selling. <laughs>